Chapter 2 Scanning the local paper the next morning, the crumbs from her English muffin dotting the grainy, horrific photos of the rusty fry crime scene they were currently calling an accident, Gloria flipped to the most recent target of her misplaced ire, Ask the Editor. She crowed aloud when she spotted her last missive to said editor, a scathing review of one of his articles, the right-wing misogynistic ravings of a small-minded, small-statured man. But that was just her opinion to the editor. Seeing her words, sharp as they were in black and white, in actual print, stirred her. This was the day to get moving on her research and start writing again, instead of just telling her students how they could write. Hmm, small-town murder mystery. Those seem to be in fashion and modern publishing, right? Something a bit curious and supernatural. The victim, a local taxidermist slash private investigator slash hobby werewolf hunter. There, she snorted, whimsy. All of the elements she needed to write. So, go time. After one more cup of coffee. Can you pick me up? Car broke again. Spelled A-G-I-N. She glanced down at her phone. It was her nephew, Terry. Again. And he had misspelled again. Again. She knew it was nitpicky, but his generation was populated with morons, all thanks to advanced tools like autocorrect, which were designed to help them spell better. Where was that when she was starting out? She had to learn to spell actual word. Did it matter, though? Terry wasn't a scholar. He was just a groundskeeper at the community center where she taught. Didn't matter if he could spell. Terry was her brother Carl's youngest, most disappointing progeny. While the other four Weedman children rose to such vaulted ranks as Air Force captain, high school principal, tanning salon owner, and one homemaker homeschooling a brood of fair-haired geniuses, poor Terry seemed to zig at every zag, usually ending up in a ditch somewhere or on probation, sometimes both. Currently, he was the town's lone Caucasian marijuana distributor. Considering the family name, it might be considered destiny. Terry naively assumed no one in the family knew about his side job. No one spoke about it, but they all knew. In fact, Gloria was half-tempted to ask for herself. No one seemed to remember, but she'd partaken from time to time as a rebellious happening teenager and was quite the hip young adult through the late 70s when she went through her first divorce, lost her pot dealer in the process, and switched to wine. But wine got boring as you got older and had to drink less and less. She knew her cousins Betty and Woody were current clients. It was rather obvious when they all wandered off for a brisk walk after Thanksgiving gatherings and came back reeking of weed and perfume. Terry tended to text his aunt only when he was in need. His mother Linda had no patience for her youngest. His father, Carl, was simply a dick, and Aunt Gloria was local now. She was retired, and she also loathed his father. Feeling Carl was unnecessarily hard on the whimsical young man. Of course, the whimsical young man in question was 32 now, but he'd long been her favorite. And the longer she lived, the more she realized it didn't matter what you did. It was how you did it. And Terry did everything joyfully. Gloria glanced at her watch. What else did she have to do? Rusty Fry's funeral, which she'd planned to attend even though she'd never met the man, wasn't until tomorrow afternoon. Her daily run to Brookshire's Grocery for fresh vegetables was flexible, although past three it did turn into a madhouse. Mom wasn't expecting her to visit today. The only thing she'd planned was more research and staring at an empty page, trying to force herself to start an outline. Where are you at? She texted back. Why not? She pictured a future full of young people who simply clicked and hooted their interactive clothing, constantly updating their various emojis to signify what they felt or 
what they wanted or what had offended them, perhaps supplied by their more verbal, robotic, personal servants. The point, he answered. Ah, he was frothing again. Was that it? Frisbee golfing? It looked stupid, and probably was, but he'd been whole hog on it for years, organizing, loosely, it was Terry we were talking about here, an East Texas league that played other tiny one-horse towns. Or, as Gloria liked to say in moments of feigned ignorance, one-whore towns. Was that a good title for her book? Missing Heads in a One-Whore Town. Eh, maybe no. She drove to the park near the point leisurely, annoying the cars behind her with undisguised glee. The point at the lake, which, depending on what tornadoes wrought that year, either boasted tall, soaring pine trees or denuded destruction. Gloria liked living near the lake, but never on the lake. She never understood the allure. It was a tornado magnet, flood risk, and friend to fauna and snakes of all kinds. And there were rumors of giant catfish haunting the woody bottoms of the man-made lake. She'd even heard in the past two days the giant catfish theory floated as a suspect in the beheading of Rusty Fry. Considerate of the bottom-dwelling giant fish to decapitate him and put him back in his boat, she thought. Terry gave a hopeless wave if she pulled into the small, grassy parking lot. His rusting Camry was the only car there. A friend stood deferentially away, which made more sense now that she thought about it. How would one froth alone? Terry hopped in her idling car, motioning to his young companion to follow suit. Thanks, Aunt Glory. Terry gave her a sweaty, impish smile as he folded his lanky frame into her aging Cadillac. He gestured to the guest in the back seat. You remember my friend Henry? He was with me the last time this happened. I don't know what's wrong with that piece of shit. Sorry. I gotta get it into the shop soon. Maybe tomorrow. Gloria shrugged. Terry's car was obviously in steep decline. The shop could only do so much. The vehicle in question was at least 15 years old, and for 13 of those 15 years, Terry had been nickel and diming it back together while it steadily fell apart under his abuse. She turned with a smile to greet his friend, but the smile died on her lips. It was the guy, the jerk from the bar. Only as she thought this, she realized he wasn't the jerk. He grinned sheepishly at her, scrunching up his eyes as if amused by the situation. You don't remember me, do you? He surmised. You picked us up a few weeks ago in Bullard after the tournament? I thought that might be the case the other night. Terry looked on in confusion until Henry casually explained, I ran into your aunt at Flossie's the other night, but I don't think she remembered me. Recognition rushed her now. She felt like a complete ass butt, and she prided herself on being of the non-asshole variety in general. Her face burned red as she craned her head around to look the young man in the eye. Oh, no. He threw his hands up good-naturedly. Don't worry about it. I've been told I'm not that memorable. Gloria frowned. She remembered now. He was about ten years younger than Terry. His skin still smooth, unwrinkled, unblemished. Twenty-three at most. Probably younger. He had striking green eyes. He was average height, a little pale and furry, but he wasn't completely unremarkable. His face was gentle and lively. His hair a bit long for her taste. She just had no reason to remember him. It wasn't like they were to run in the same social circles or any type of circle. I didn't mean to scare you the other night, the young man admitted in a low voice. Terry looked confused, glancing between his friend and his aunt with furrowed brow. Gloria laughed and waved her hand. No, you didn't, I thought. She pursed her lips, stopping herself from repeating the idiotic thought that he had been trying to hit on her. Never mind what I thought. It's my fault. I'm an asshole. You're not an asshole, Henry laughed. 
He had a nice, rich laugh, and it made him seem more mature, more graceful somehow. Your well-mannered friend tried to be a gentleman and buy me a drink the other night, and I blew him off, Gloria explained to Terry. Gloria put the car in reverse. Where to, boys? And Henry, I'm truly sorry. I will gladly accept a beverage from you the next time we cross paths at Flossie's. My deepest apologies. I'll remember you next time. Senior moment. Of course he wasn't trying to pick up a mature, mysterious woman at the bar. He was trying to be polite to his friend's elderly auntie. You can just drop us both at Terry's. I can walk home from there, Henry offered, glancing out the window as they pulled onto the blacktop road that rimmed the lake. Dark, aggressive clouds threatened to the north, and the air was heavy and electric. Terry lived in a small house Carl and Linda purchased for him as a fixer-upper several years ago. Carl owned several rental properties throughout the town, in addition to the gas station, barbecue, hamburger grill, from which he'd made his fortune and his reputation as a big man in the tiny town. Of course, Terry hadn't fixed anything three years in, and the house listed to one side, covered in vines and overgrown bushes with its eroding porch and roof. It was a fairly short, silent drive. As Gloria pulled up the beaten blacktop driveway, she turned her head. Henry, I can take you home too. Where do you live? He hitched his head east. I rent a cabin off South Point near the piers. I can take you, Gloria decided. It was the least she could do after spurning his generosity the other night. Although, the longer she thought about it, it was still an odd thing for a young man to do. You sure? Henry squinted up at the setting sun. Because I don't mind walking. It's not too far. Don't be an idiot, Gloria sighed. It's at least a mile. You'll get run over. Come on. I don't mind. Least I can do for being so rude. Standing patiently by the open window, witnessing the negotiation, Terry shrugged. See ya, man. Thanks, Aunt Glory. No problem, kid. She smiled fondly at him. Henry slid into the front seat, studying Gloria from underneath long, dark lashes. So, Henry, where are your people? He looked startled she'd spoken. Your parents, Gloria went on. Siblings, where do you hail from? Oh, uh, well, I'm an orphan. No people per se. He smiled calmly as he said this, so she didn't know if he was joking or if it was a pain just far enough in the past he could speak of it without emotion. I'm from all over, you know. Just vagabonding around the South for a few years, here and there, doing whatever interests me. Wow, Gloria laughed. That is the most generic background I think I've ever heard. The man from nowhere and no one traveling the world alone. Yeah, you got it, he smiled shyly. You must be very young. I mean, shouldn't you be in college? She was fishing. She was so bad at judging age as she got older. She glanced out the corner of her eye to see him think for a moment impassively before shrugging and responding. I'll be 448 this year. Gloria laughed out loud despite herself. Well, Henry, that makes us peers. She squinted her eyes, reading the old rusting street signs as she pulled into a small enclave and drove up a winding one-lane blacktop road. At the foot of the road sat the cabin, a lone light shining from one of the windows. Sorry again about the other night. My memory isn't that great. Gloria babbled self-consciously while the young man slid from her passenger seat. He leaned down to peer at her before he slammed the door shut. Thanks again, Gloria. See you around. He waved without turning back as he sprinted inside, just as the sky shook with thunder and plump, warm raindrops began to fall with distinctive ploops on the cracking orange earth.